0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime.
1: On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy.
0: We'll do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
1: right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Nims. What a catch! And
0: welcome back to an episode of the Cool You Jets Podcast. We're your hosts Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Back to our regular scheduled CYJ Pod Monday morning. We're going to be ranking the head coaching candidates. But first, Michael, I want your thoughts on on the overall crop of head coaches. We've had a lot of podcasts this week breaking down each and every candidate, so I feel like we're pretty well equipped to give our thoughts and our rankings. But Your overall take on the class and how it compares to other classes, such as 2018 when the Jets last made their head coaching hire.
1: Yeah, I really like this group. And I already did, even before we did the series of interviews. But after hearing all these pitches, and, you know, some were more optimistic than others in terms of how they were sold to us. But after hearing all these different perspectives on these candidates, I feel even better about them. So I think this is a really good class. And there are more than enough good candidates out there for the Jets to have, no matter what, who goes where uh, with the other openings, that there are more than enough candidates to where there should be someone good left for the Jets. As long as they stick with the attractive up-and-coming candidates that actually offer a lot of intriguing upside and don't go with a retread option or you know someone else's trash like in Philadelphia, then as long as they don't do something like that, there are more than enough good options for them, That, at least for me personally, that I am definitely a fan of.
0: Yeah, there's really no bad candidates that the Jets have interviewed.
1: There's a few that I would be upset
0: with, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But I agree with you. I mean, I think I, I know a hell of a lot more about all these candidates, and and I some were more optimistic, but I felt like we did a good job of, of hearing kind of the balanced pitch, at least the negatives. And, and I, I just feel like I understand how these guys have fit into the New York Jets organization. And I think there's some coaches, and when we do these rankings, I'm doing it for the New York Jets, because I think there's some coaches that could be very good but I think this ranking is, is targeted towards how will they be with the New York Jets? So he ranked 11 guys, which I know is kind of a sloppy number, but uh, we wanted to do everybody that they've interviewed, and then we wanted to add somebody else that we definitely think should and will get an interview. So our top 11 guys, Michael, let's start with 11. I'll go first. And it's the one candidate that we were kind of alluding to in the, in the intro, Marvin Lewis. And look, he could be a good head coach. I think he's proved that he's not awful. My issues with Marvin Lewis, and and again, he's actually the one candidate on this list we have not done a podcast on, and I think Michael refuses to do a podcast on him. I don't blame him. I don't really want to sit down and talk about Marvin Lewis. I feel
1: like we all know Marvin Lewis by this point. I think we know the gist on him. I I tend to agree. We'll
0: see how this process goes, and if he kind of heats up, then then we'll definitely do a podcast on him. But uh, yeah, I think he's... I think he would be a great defensive coordinator for a young offensive line If, if coach. we hire
1: Mar- Marvin Lewis, we'll be talking about him plenty. So I think that'll be enough <laughs> Well, me. that would apply to every candidate. But yeah, I get what you're saying. I think that, look, he,
0: he's certainly not awful. He's just very, very boring. And maybe that's what the team needs. But when you think about where this team is with Joe Douglas, a lot of optimism after an otherwise treacherous season. To hire a 62-year-old head coach with zero playoff wins... Just doesn't do it for me. He might come in t- into the Jets organization and go seven and nine, maybe nine and seven. Maybe he'll get that evasive playoff win. But do you really see the Jets winning a Super Bowl with Marvin Lewis? Because I don't. I- and we're in the business of winning Super Bowls. And I just think he's just not the right guy for the Jets. As I said, if he was paired with a young offensive coordinator and the Jets hired Lewis as the defensive coordinator, I would be. Happy with that. But if the Jets were to hire Marvin Lewis, it would feel like Adam Gase to me all over again. And I tweeted that I quickly deleted it because nobody was understanding what I was saying. Obviously, Marvin Lewis is a better coach than Adam Gase. He's a better candidate than Adam Gase, but it's the similar ownership. and, And I guess you would have to blame Joe Douglas a little bit here. Going with these, I mean, I don't even want to call it the safe option, but they're not taking a chance. They're not taking that leap. They're not going for somebody who
1: really can win Super Bowl. Going with a more recognized and established name,
0: right? It, it just feels like Marvin Lewis would be, um, uh, I don't even just a depressing hire, I guess is what I would say. So he would kind of take the air out of the Jets balloon uh, per se. And look, he could come here and have success, but if the Jets do hire Marvin Lewis, I'm not going to spend the entire summer talking myself into him. I'm going to keep this. The same take but if he comes in as a defensive coordinator I'll be happy Michael who's your number 11
1: I actually have a different number 11 surprisingly enough even wow. though I refuse to do a Marvin Lewis podcast but my number 11 is Aaron Glenn and I do think there is you know like we talked to John Hendricks about he is an underrated coach a guy who does bring a lot to the table but for me in this position I would take because obviously I'm putting Marvin Lewis ahead of him we'll see which ranking but I would kind of rather have Lewis who's actually has head coach experience and was relatively successful, even though he didn't win any playoff games, than take a chance on a guy who's a position coach making the leap to head coach. I just do not think the jets are in a position to take a chance on a guy like that. So I have Glenn as my number 11. Yeah. And let's talk about
0: Glenn because he's actually my number 10 candidate and we'll see how much Michael and I differ. I was kind of surprised.
1: I'm going to imagine Marvin Lewis is 10. Am I correct? Well, maybe nine spots higher than that. No, we'll see. We'll see. Well, okay, we'll see. but I'm we'll withholding see. this. Okay. No spoilers. All right, all right. Well, I'll hop
0: I'll into Glenn because he's my next guy at number ten, and I kind of, I agree with you. I think I'd prefer him over Marvin Lewis, and maybe that is, you know, blinded by me not wanting the boring hire. But when I think of Aaron Glenn, I think of. A guy like Andy Reid, who was a quarterback's coach with the Green Bay Packers, obviously a little less or a little more success there, and turned into a very successful head coach. And a guy like Glenn, obviously that's a massive leap to make, but at least I think there would be some optimism. I like that he's played in New York. I think he understands the Jets organization, and it shows me that Joe Douglas is looking under every single rock to find a head coach. And a guy like Glenn, I think if he comes in and nails that interview, comes in super prepared with a binder full of information, like like Andy Reid did in his interview with Philadelphia two decades ago, and the Jets believe that this is their leader, because remember, they're looking for a leader. They're looking for, for the 150th time, a CEO. And if they come in and believe that Glenn can be that, I have no problem with him being a defensive backs coach. He doesn't have to call offensive or defensive plays. Chris Johnson made that very clear. So I think if Aaron Glenn were to hire, I would feel a lot more optimistic because I would feel like, wow, he really smashed that interview. I mean, they're not going to hire a defensive backs coach unless he really murdered it. And that would give me optimism. It's kind of how I felt about the Giants with Joe Judge, who I think had a very fine rookie season. And I, he, was, he was a hire that was heavily criticized by the media. But I kind of felt like, well, if you're going to hire somebody this under the radar, they had to have murdered the interview. There has to be some sort of confidence there. And I, that would give me a lot more optimism about Glenn than a guy like Lewis, which I would feel like, okay, Douglas is clearly just relying on his Baltimore connection. And we really know who Marvin Lewis is as a coach. I mean, unless he spent this entire year or two years that he's been away from football, redesigning his entire program and, you know, building an all-star cast or uh, of, of a staff, we know who Marvin Lewis is. And Aaron Glenn, I think would give me some optimism, but I understand the low ranking. He's number 10 for me. He's I think they are much better and more proven candidates and guys who can build a better staff than Glenn. But I would feel slightly more optimistic with Glenn. Michael, who's your number 10?
1: I do have Marvin Lewis at okay. number 10. Oh, wow, I, I, I agree with that. you. There, there's definitely not a lot exciting about him. I would not enjoy that higher much at all. But again, I do have him higher than Glenn because I would rather have his head coaching experience than taking a chance on the leap from position coach with a very talented team in new Orleans right. so uh, that's why i have him over glenn but that's not to say i like lewis at all i think there's a huge huge gap between this number 10 spot with lewis and the next nine guys above him the nine guys above here except maybe for number numbers uh, eight and seven here or, or no he's number 10 so except numbers nine and eight maybe i'm a little skeptical about them and the top seven i like but anyone above lewis here in this top nine um, i'm 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 definitely okay with. Right. But, they, so I don't, so I don't like Marvin Lewis, but again, just head coach experience over position coach. for me. If they hire any of these next nine
0: guys, I'm pretty sure we'll be up behind at a hundred percent Marvin Lewis. I think we'd be pretty against Aaron Glenn and, and not to circle back to it, but I just feel like as a candidate, Marvin Lewis is a stronger candidate, but if Aaron Glenn is the higher, I think that there's just a lot more optimism about like, okay, what are the jets see in this guy? That would make me – I feel like I could talk myself into Aaron Glenn, at least for an offseason. Um, but number nine for me is Joe Brady. And I know he's a candidate that a lot of guys like. Uh, obviously, he's fun. He's offensive. People see him as the next Kyle Shanahan or the next Sean McVay. I just think he's too green. I just think he's a guy with one-year of NFL coordinator experience. He's 31. What type of staff can he build? He has – and as Elena pointed out in our, in our interview with her – the guy has virtually zero connections. I mean, that entire Panther staff is mostly Baylor guys. I can't imagine he's going to rid Matt Rule's cabinet. I mean, I can't imagine he's going to just take all of his guys. He probably has some connections across the NFL. It was rumored that he was going to be Wink Martindale's offensive coordinator two years ago if Martindale were to get the Giants job. But I just, I worry about the staff. I worry about the experience, the age, him coming to New York. I don't know if he's ready. And Elena didn't necessarily give the most glowing of, Reviews about him. She clearly likes him as an offensive coordinator and thinks he's a good offensive coordinator. But she did point out some criticisms of Brady. Michael, who's your
1: number nine? My number nine. This could be a huge shock. Um, I'm probably going to light the podcast on fire. Oh, no, I know who it's going to be. It's but, Joe Brady. We're on the uh, same exact geez. page. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but 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 I agree. I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I have the same concerns he's only 31 years old and then look you can be young just look at Sean McVay and you know still thrive but I think he is on a different page than the Sean McVays of the world only one year of coordinator experience and and even like Elena said he was you know calling plays from the booth for most of the season until he moved down to the field that was the first time he's been on the field in any capacity in years so he in terms of being a head coach at this stage I just don't see it. Is the offensive acumen there? Absolutely. He did amazing work at LSU as their passing game coordinator, taking Joe Burrow and turning him from, you know, a very not very successful college quarterback to maybe the best ever with that last season he had. And did, he did great work with the Panthers this year. They were 17th in offensive DVOA with a team that a lot of people thought would be the worst in the league. Four guys had over a 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Robbie, Curtis Samuel, Mike Davis, and D.J. Moore. And the first three of those guys had their by far their best seasons in the league. Teddy Bridgewater had probably his best season in the league. He was 12th in yards per attempt. That was a career best. So he did a lot of good work at LSU with the Panthers. You can't question his offensive know-how. And one day he could be a great head coach. He's probably going to get his chance this year with some team. But for this Jets team to turn around a team that's two and 14 needs a massive culture change to turn things around after dealing with Adam Gase I don't think Joe Brady's the guy for me he definitely there's a lot to like about him but for this Jets team that he, he's too green and the staff questions are a big one too where is he going to build that staff like you said Panthers mostly Baylor guys he's not going to be able to take many if any of those guys with him he was with the Saints for a couple years but that's going to be tough also because it's been a while and that is, you know, Sean Payton's staff. That's an attractive place to be. I mean, look at Aaron Glenn getting head coaching reviews as a member of that staff or interviews as a member of that staff. So I have a lot of question marks about Brady. There's a lot to like. He could be really good. He probably will be as smart of an offensive mind as he is. Doesn't make sense for this Jets team for me. Yeah. Right now I think is the key part. I think Brady will be a good head coach in this league, but it's just,
0: The Jets have gone with the pretty much exact opposite of the previous coach, the last four coaching hires. And they're going to look for the opposite of Adam Gase. And obviously Joe Brady has many differences to Adam Gase, including having a successful offense. But Joe Brady's style of coaching, and this will come up with a few other of these guys, is going to be too similar to the, I'm going to run the offense, you're going to be the head coach of the defense. And how many times do we have to see or hear Chris Johnson and Joe Douglas say, we want a guy who's going to run the entire team. So it seems pretty dead set that they don't want to go back to that model, even though it has proven to be successful in LA and San Francisco, the jets clearly want a guy to oversee the entire operation. Cause like you said, I mean, they're a team that is down in the dumps and in the basement and the cellar of the NFL, they need a program builder, a guy who can turn it around. Next number eight for me. And this is a guy who I think jets Twitter should absolutely love after what he did yesterday, helping the jets draft pick Brandon Staley, who, Okay. Like like Brady, I'm very high on, I think. And again, we're at the point where if they hire any of these guys, we'll talk ourselves into them. We'll have film podcasts on them. We'll have more interviews. And by July, we'll be number one fans of Joe Brady and Brandon Staley. That's just how this thing works. But with Staley, similar concerns, too green, too young. Obviously, he's a defensive genius. I, I agree that he'll be a good head coach. I just don't think he's what the Jets need right now. I think with defensive guys, it's a little different. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that. The Jets had Top Bulls and Rex Ryan who completely ignored the offense. But I, I, I do tend to believe that the Jets aren't going to limit themselves to just offensive or defensive guys. If a guy like Staley, though, if he were able to, to sit down in that interview and prove to the team that, look, I, I will oversee the offense and the defense, I might call my defense, but I'm not going to be completely out of the offensive side of the football – I could see him being a higher. That would be key for both him and Brady. I just feel like it's a little bit more likely for the defensive guy to do that than the offensive coordinator like Joe Brady. Um, So that's just my kind of overall take, but obviously an an amazing coordinator. I think my biggest concerns outside of his fit with the Jets is, well, how much of that is Aaron Donald? How much of that is Jalen Ramsey? Obviously he's a great defensive coordinator and he's great at at using those pieces, but how is he going to be in New York when he has Terrell Basham rushing off the edge and he has Bless Austin playing meaningful reps at corner? Michael, who's your number eight candidate?
1: Well, I think we're pretty much on the same page so far. I have Staley as well as number eight, but I I think I'm higher on him than you are. I think the questions about the talent he coaches for me, I'm not as concerned because they had this similar talent in 2019 with a veteran coordinator and Wade Phillips, and they were not nearly as dominant as they were in 2020. And they also lost a lot of talent, too. Dante Fowler, Corey Littleton, Nickel Roby, coleman good players that they left, that they lost, and they still got better with Staley this year. A lot better. So I definitely think that's good. Um, the coaches that he's coached under, like we talked about on our podcast with Jake, um, coaching under Vic Fangio was great experience. Um, the fact that the Rams and Sean McVay liked him so much to bring him over as that Wade Phillips replacement, very impressive He's worked his way up quite a bit. I like Staley a lot. Biggest question for me. Defensive guys are always a question mark. Uh, In in terms of this offensive league where you want to be able to keep your offensive play caller, the architect of your offense intact, and not let him get poached. Uh, So defensive head coaches are a question mark for me. Uh, Although the top of this list might, might contradict that statement a little bit, but I think that's definitely one. And also, again, another young guy who's only been a coordinator for one year. Um, and also the coaching style, do you have a true leader in Brandon Staley? I don't know. We like the production, but can he actually coach that we're not entirely sure about? So I have him at number eight, but I, I do think there's a, I'd like him quite a bit more than Joe Brady, I think. But, um, but again, from this point upward, I like, I would be okay with any of these guys.
0: Yeah, agreed. I like him more than Brady, but similar concerns with the, with the experience and the staff building and the leadership part of it. Number seven is going to pain me. I think you know where I'm going with this, Michael. This, this was a tough call. Don't and I'd like, to, do I'd like to remind everybody that this is the rankings for the head coach of the New York Jets. This is not them as candidates in particular. I have Arthur Smith. and I, you I did it. You just had to do it. I had to do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. I stand by everything I said in that article. I still believe that Arthur Smith will be a great head coach as we've said at least four times now, everybody on this list from this point on would be a great hire. But with Arthur Smith, I just think, again, kind of similar thing that I said with Joe Brady. It's the way he's going to want to run a team is going to be pretty much exactly the same as the way Adam Gase is going to want to run a team. That's what we learned in that interview, is that he's going to want to coach the offense and he's going to want to hire a head coach the defense to run that. And I just don't know if that is – what the jets need right now i stand by everything i said this is not a waffle but i think it's important that i don't just blindly put arthur smith at number one let's evaluate the situation the jets are in the type of candidate that they're looking for arthur smith is a hell of an offensive coordinator i think he's going to be a hell of a head coach somewhere maybe atlanta or houston but i just i don't think he's the the type of candidates the jets are looking for that's really my only criticism of him is that it sounds like he's going to be too buried in his playbook you know missing thanksgiving with his with his family trying to think of an offensive scheme and he might end up uh, avoiding and ignoring the defense and i just don't think that's the type of coach the jets are looking for but again if the jets hire him i'll completely take all this back and be in full support. i i like arthur smith i just if we have to rank him for the jets
1: i feel like he's he's dropped a little bit for me i can't believe you did it it's just it's treason it's treason. I can't believe you've done this to the Arthur Smith fan base. We're supposed to be driving this boat and leading the bandwagon. I know. It was the number one
0: article in JetX history. And as you said, we were driving the bandwagon. And I just I just jumped out the, the
1: way. I made a Photoshop for him. You made that amazing article. We've had all these tweets about him. But here we are letting a lot of people down. I guess that's what we do here.
0: Well, I, what we do here is, hey, the podcast is called Cool Your Jets. It's reasonable <laughs> – and measured Jets'
1: takes. And I'm not just going to pin my name to him because I loved him back. Okay, well, well, I have news for you. My number seven coach on this ranking is Arthur Smith.
0: Yeah, We are on the same
1: exact page so far. That's the problem with this podcast is we're two in lockstep, Michael. We need to have some debate. (laughs) Okay, well, I I agree with a lot of things you said. I like Arthur Smith, once again. Every candidate from here on out, I like quite a bit. But I've definitely cooled off on him a little bit, and our interview with Buck definitely – kind of had had me lower on him not in the sense that buck was bashing him or anything but it's just in the sense that arthur smith is a good coach he can coach from he can coach one-on-one there are so many players who talk well about him he can do that but in terms of being the leader of an entire team again we keep touching on this I don't think he's that he's I think he's sort of gates esque in the way he can manage a team and again it's not a problem you can win that way if you actually coach the offense well which Gaze didn't do if you actually you know have the locker room on the same page and there's no controversy and there's no injury grievances and things like that so I think Arthur Smith checks a lot of boxes but at the same time I think there are question marks in terms of that whole team leadership and dealing with the media, especially in New York, it could be tough for him. And then on offense, I think he, I, the Derrick Henry thing, I'm, I'm a very not anti running back guy, but I do believe that running backs are very much a product of their supporting cast. So I don't totally believe Derrick Henry carries Arthur Smith. And it's worth noting that Henry didn't do much before Arthur Smith took over as their coordinator, but the big question, which we did see in the playoff game this weekend, is what can he do when that running game isn't working? Because when the Titans have struggled on the ground, he hasn't been able to get the passing. Arthur Smith hasn't been able to really get that passing game going. The passing game for him has been based off the success of that running game, establishing that threat, and then using play action to create favorable uh, favorable opportunities through the air. So that's a question mark for me as well, but a minor one. The body work for his offense is still fantastic even with this one bad playoff game but um so i like him quite a bit i do but again i like this group of candidates a lot so it's not a knock for him to be at this number seven spot but there are guys that i'm definitely increasingly higher on after these interviews so smith number seven for me doesn't mean i don't like him and wouldn't love it if the jets hired him
0: yeah and i think it sounds like atlanta and arthur smith is a a budding potential hire there i mean you never know they have to go through their interviews but if he goes to atlanta i think he's going to be great it's just i don't have concerns about him as being a successful head coach it's a successful head coach with the jets and you know i like to think of these guys how are they going to be when they have to get up in front of all 53 guys and address the team and i could really never picture adam Gase doing that in fact jamal adams basically said he doesn't ever do that kind of seems like mike vrabel does a lot of that team building a lot of that um Player relationship stuff, the, a lot of hyping up the team and addressing the team, and it seems like Mike Vrabel is the Elton John to Arthur Smith's Bernie Toppin. And can Ar- Arthur Smith take center stage, be the main guy, be in front? You're right. Buck kind of made it sound like he likes to work behind the scenes and and scheme. And to be a head coach in New York, especially with what the GM and owner want, you kind of need to be at the front of the, the train you can't really be back and and scheming like adam GaSe tried to do you have to take everything on the chin i think that's one of the things rex ryan did very well Is he one was fantastic addressing the team but in those post-game media conferences he always took blame he always said this is on me and when when things went right he always dished out credit i mean he was a fantastic leader he had other issues but that was one of the things he really nailed speaking of rex ryan my number six candidate wink martindale who who is a kind of a rex ryan disciple looks like rex ryan's hillbilly uncle um i think that he is exactly what the jets are looking for he's the one candidate on here though that we have till this point recording sunday night the jets have not officially requested to interview him i imagine that might change connections to joe douglas shut down arthur smith's offense and since he's become the, the defensive coordinator for baltimore they've been Fantastic. I mean there's no other way to describe it and a lot of people around the league think that when you think of those CEO candidates that Wink Martindale is at the top. Michael, who's your sixth candidate?
1: Well, we're finally not uh, in step here. I do have a different number 6 candidate and for me number 6 is Eric Bieniemy, a guy who I like quite a bit once again. I like all of these candidates from here on out. I like Eric Bieniemy. I think his role in that offense is definitely greater than a lot of people give it credit for. It's not necessarily that he's just lucky to be a part of it. I think he does have a bigger part in that success of Mahomes, of that entire team, than most give him credit for. But at the same time, it's still a concern. I'm in the middle on it. It's definitely a question mark whenever you have, whenever you have. A coordinator who comes from under the head coach's strength, it's a question mark because you know, guys like Brandon Staley, guys like Joe Brady, these guys are the captains of their units. But Eric is under Andy Reid, who's you know, obviously the main architect behind that offense and was already having success, a lot of success, even before Patrick Mahomes got there. Not to the same extent, but he was leading Alex Smith to hit by far the best production of his career. Um, before Mahomes took over. So we know Andy Reid is great and B is coaching under him. So that's a question mark. But I think there's a lot to like about him from a coaching standpoint. He definitely seems like a guy who, even though he's an offensive guy, a former running back, we know the offense is his strength. The leadership aspect seems to be there with him. I could see him leading an entire team. The offense will be his focus, but he's a guy who I could see getting from the locker room, firing everybody up, having a great relationship with the players. He is a former player himself, spent a long time in the league, and players should respect that. And that's something that I don't think actually any of these other candidates bring to the table, actually having played in the NFL. I could be wrong on that. I'm pretty sure none of them have other than him, at least of the guys in this list. So I think that's an advantage. I like him quite a bit. I just have question marks of uh, how involved in the success is he? I'm not questioning it. As much as I think his biggest critics are, but I still am a little skeptical of it.
0: Yeah, I've had Eric enemy kind of fluctuate all uh, around my list. It really just depends on the interview, and and that's obviously all these guys. It depends on the interview. But when you look at Eric Bieniemy's body of work, there are serious questions about how much is Patrick Mahomes, how much is Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, etc. How much is he doing? He's not calling the plays. But they have talked about him as a leader of men, and that is something that is important to remember about Bienemy. He's not just an offensive guy like Arthur Smith or Joe Brady, one of these guys that's just head buried in the playbook all the time. And then it's like, well, he's not even calling plays. So what is he doing? It does sound like Eric Bienemy is a true leader on that team. He does design plays. He does have a a say in that offense. I agree. There are certain question marks. I've had him as high as number one on my list, and right now I have him as number five. I agree. I'd be first of all, if the was the higher, I'd be ecstatic. I would find all the positives when you, when you think of the the creativity that he brings um, the hype that he would bring. Obviously the hype doesn't matter too much, but I do think it's one of those things where players are going to want to play Farrick B He's a lot of fans around the league. I'd be intrigued to see the type of staff that he could build, but yeah, I think there are some certain questions about how much, um, is he involved in that, in that chief success? I mean, how much is that is due to him and how much of that is Andy Reed? There are some question marks in his past. So there are some issues, but again, I mean, I would be absolutely stoked if Eric B enemy was the high. So
1: Michael, who's your number five. Well, from number five, I think we're, we sort of switched these two spots. Well, not sort of, we literally did, but I've number five as Don Martindale. I, I do like him. As a I think he brings a lot to the table in terms of leadership, like you said, comparing him to Rex Ryan. Um, I think there's a lot there. And the defensive success is great. Obviously, Baltimore's a lot of talent, but he's made the absolute most of it. Uh so I like Martindale a lot. The fact he hasn't been interviewed yet is definitely it's interesting. He definitely brings a lot to the table. And I think there was a report that he didn't want to in that first week. He wanted to prepare for this game, but obviously at this point, if he wants a job, he's gonna have to take it with the Ravens still being alive, but um he brings a lot. I think uh, even though he is a defensive head coach, I think he is, again, I talked about this with BN me. I think Martindale is the type of guy who, despite he having that clear strength on one side of the ball, he has the pure leadership ability to lead an entire locker room. I think he is that sort of guy. So I have Martindale as my number five.
0: Yeah. I think there are a lot of things to like about Martindale. Obviously I agree with you. I think he will get an interview this week. Um, the type of staff that he could build is intriguing when you hear about Marvin Lewis being a potential defensive coordinator candidate and Tony Elliott, the Clemson offense coordinator, being a potential offensive coordinator candidate. That was one of the things that we talked about with when we did our Greg Roman podcast, who's actually not featured on this list, just because we, we feel like he's probably an unrealistic candidate at this point is Brett was telling us about. Well, Joe Brady was, was Martin Dale's offense coordinator candidate when he was applying for the Giants job. And it seems like it's going to be Tony Elliott this time around. Because we talked about, well, is Wink Martindale going to fall into that classic defensive coach, wants to play field position and punts are good and run the ball, control the clock? And he said, no. I mean, if Wink Martindale is going to follow his defensive aggressiveness, I mean, that is who he is. I mean, his offense is going to be aggressive. His philosophy for the team is going to be to play fast and be aggressive. And he's going to bring in somebody on the offense side of the football that will match that philosophy. So I'm very intrigued by Wink Martindale. Um, and I do hope that he gets an interview. Number four, for me, this guy's a number one for a lot of people, Brian Dable, the offense coordinator for Buffalo. And the only reason he's not number one for me is just his, again, kind of like the enemy, his resume before Buffalo is kind of concerning. He's had a number of offense coordinator gigs that weren't um, that successful as was pointed out to us during that podcast. I mean, the best quarterback he had during that stretch was Matt Moore. Um, And clearly the development of Josh Allen has to be attributed to Dable. I mean, I think he's done a terrific job with Allen. He's learned under Bill Belichick and Nick Saban for whatever that counts. He has familiarity with the organization. There are really no concerns about him as, as a leader. It's just, well, who is he before Josh Allen? Who was he before Buffalo? How much of his success has just been, Sean McDermott and Josh Allen, there are some question marks there. But again,
1: obviously a
0: terrific candidate.
1: Michael, who's your number four? So I have Matt Eberflus at number four, Colts defensive coordinator. Uh, He's a guy who we didn't know too much before starting this research and interview process, but um, from hearing what George had to say about him, I'm definitely really impressed. Another guy who I think has that leadership ability to command a whole locker room, seems like a really intense guy who values discipline quite a bit. Uh, which seems like it would mesh with Joe Douglas very well. Um, the success of his defense is very solid. Um, he, he really ha- developed that defense. They had a lot of young talent, and they've gotten better over his years there, a good mix of veteran and young players that he's helped succeed there. So I do like Iberflus quite a bit as my number four guy.
0: Iberflus is my number three guy. I think, Michael, now we're kind of just out of lockstep, but it's working for the podcast because you're talking about a guy, then I talk about a guy, and then you talk about another guy. Eberflus is a top three candidate for me. He's a guy who's really shot up the rankings for me because when I first thought of it, you know, it was kind of like, okay, that would be the obvious kind of boring, hire defensive coordinator, but we did that podcast, and I really – listen to him and and he talked about you talk about player development i think that's his number one strength is just a lot of the players that he's developed not just young players but guys like xavier rhodes who were i don't want to say proven busts but jags i mean scrubs and then they go to indianapolis and he truly developed them i think his defense plays fast they're the fastest in the league they play hard he's a he's a brilliant adjuster in game and he's a leader and he can be that ceo I mean, that's just the number one word here in this podcast, but he can be that CEO. He can run a whole team. My only concern with Eberflus is who's he hiring an offensive coordinator. But if he comes to that interview prepared with with a name that Joe Douglas and company likes to run that offense, I think Iberflus will be a terrific head coach in this league. I think he's a guy that'll get hired. People will snore. People will groan, say, why didn't you hire Bienemy or Dable? But – when the games get going and people get to know who Matt Eberflus is, people are going to turn around and be like, damn, that guy is actually a really good head coach. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of a Brian Flores or a Sean McDermott type of hire, an energetic defensive coach who has discipline, who has accountability, who's not a hard-ass, though. He's a player's coach, has shown that he can he can lead, shown that he can develop talent. I mean, there's just so much to like about Eberflus, Um, But I'll, I'll leave him at number three, though, because there are two candidates that I like even more. But, Michael, who's your number three candidate?
1: Well, I have a number 3. I have a feeling, well, obviously he's higher, but I feel like this could be your number 1 guy. Don't react to it or spoil it. I have Pat Fitzgerald number 3. And I think this okay. this is probably lower than most Jets fans have. I feel like most Jets fans are putting him at 1 or 2, but again, I do like him. He I think this is where you have for me he's in the but he's below the top two guys and above the rest. First the reason he's below that is how that is how the number 3 that, that is how the number three works. It is technically below one well, and listen, two. I was going to explain why I haven't blown the top two guys. <laughs> I'm not explaining the math. Well, the third guy is below the top two guys. That's how That's three what that works. sounded like to me. This is the Nickelodeon broadcast where we explain these things. <laughs>
0: math. But, okay. It's so kind of like reason- when
1: your teacher gives you homework. They give you one page
0: of homework and then two pages of homework, but three is more than two, but less than four.
1: Right, Back exactly. I, I think that's the main point here. But no, listen, here are my the real reasons I haven't below the top two guys. I think it's I just am sort of concerned with college coaches transitioning to the league. I know we've seen some success in recent years, but it, it's still a question mark for me. Do, do does that leadership style translate to the professional level is a question mark for me. But he's at number three here. So there's a lot I like, I think. Him turning around a Northwestern program that historically is very unsuccessful is enticing for a a team, a franchise in the position like the Jets are. And Northwestern has not only improved in terms of their winning, but they've developed more NFL talent much more than they were. In the past so that is a big plus as well so I, I think this is a good spot for that true ceo program builder culture changer coach in fitzgerald but the two guys that i have above him i think bring more to the table uh, bring a lot of that to the table but also inter- they also bring schematic uh, expertise and production in that area and also nfl experience so uh, i do have him at number three but i like him a lot his culture changing ability does seem like it would translate and be a great fit for this team
0: yeah spoiler alert fitzgerald is my number one but we'll talk about him in just a minute because number two is robert Salah, and he's a guy that i went back and forth with between one and two and i have a feeling he's probably one don't react we don't want to spoil anything michael god forbid but number two for me is Robert Sala. is a guy that I think fits exactly what the Jets are looking for. That CEO, that leader, he's had tremendous success. I think the best argument you can make for Sala is you look at the injuries that the San Francisco 49ers had on defense this year, and the fact that he still had them as one of the best defenses in all of football. I highly recommend you go listen to that podcast that we did with Oscar. He really sold me. I think that is just the, the perfect candidate for the Jets. He's young. He's energetic. He's smart. I love the staff that he would bring. I mean, a lot of people are talking about Mike McDaniels as being the offensive coordinator, but if you listen to that podcast, Oscar points out that Matt LaFleur or Mike LaFleur, excuse me, was, who is Matt LaFleur's brother, was uh, Robert Salah's best man at his wedding. So I would imagine, and he, he uh, surmised as well, that Michael LaFleur would be his offensive coordinator. I love the staff that he would build. I love the energy that he brings. Uh, I really think he would be the right guy to lead the Jets into the future and onward. I went back and forth with him as number one and number two, and I'm sure you're going to have a lot more to say about Salah, but let's stop at number two for you. Who's the candidate?
1: So at number two for me, I have Brian Dable. So I I know this this is probably a little bit higher than most Jets fans have him. I think they have questions in terms of the leadership side, but I think there is a lot of reasons to feel okay about him in that phase. He coached under Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, which is uh, I think really good experience to take with him. And I think a lot of what we heard from Greg and our podcast about him is really positive His his relationship with Josh Allen seems to be a lot more than just, okay. I I know just more than just a football standpoint, more than just knowing his strengths and weaknesses as a quarterback. It seemed like he did develop and has developed a really good, strong personal relationship with him that has been very beneficial and has done that with a lot of guys on the team. So I do believe in his ability as a coach after learning more about him, Um, And all that is just to supplement the outstanding work that he's done in terms of calling that offense and building up Josh Allen, uh, because Josh Allen's three-year development arc, where he was coming into the league to where he is now, probably the best development arc in terms of the first three years that we've ever seen from a quarterback in this league. It is flat out outstanding what they've done with him. So. That is extremely enticing, and we've talked a lot about what fits for this Jets team. This is a Jets team that's going to be most likely drafting a quarterback in the first round. If not, if they do go with Sam Darnold, still a young quarterback that you have to build. So, being able to develop that quarterback is extremely important. And Brian Dable is the main architect behind one of the best quarterback developments we've ever seen in this league. So, I think that is extremely important for this uh, for this Jets team, the situation that they're in, and just again. Th- it's. I think it's key to have that offensive mind uh, as your head coach in this current league, so you don't have to worry about him getting poached. Because quarterback's the most important position, offensive play caller, offensive coordinator, whoever it is running that offense, is very important to that guy's development, his success. So to have him in place, have that consistency is very important. So I like that as well. Um, so Brian Dable, I think, good background in terms of his the coaching trees he's been a part of. I love the success of this Bills offense, the creativity of it, how it adapts to the strengths of his players. Very impressive. Outstanding quarterback development. I love a lot about Brian Dable. Yeah,
0: I mean, you could convince me to to put any person in my top five as the number one candidate. I think that's the one thing I learned about these podcasts is that pretty much after every single one I was sold as that guy is the next head coach of the New York Jets, and I agree with you. I think Dable at four for me might be a little low, um, but, I mean, he would be a hell of a higher. Um, and that leads me to number one. And this is a guy you were a little bit lower on, but still top three candidate for you, Pat Fitzgerald. And when I look at the Jets, the net, the Jets need sweeping changes. The Jets need a complete overhaul.
1: A Don't Purcell's you dare say CEO. Like Don't you dare say it. CEO who can <laughs> run
0: the entire team. <laughs> no, but they need a guy like Purcells to come in and absolutely change the culture. And Pat Fitzgerald is a culture Builder. He's a program builder. He's proven he can go to a place that is at the absolute lowest of lows and turn him around into a respectable competitive program. I agree. There's some questions about him making the jump from college to head coach, but I think that's less of a jump than a coordinator, first time coordinator being a, a head coach. I think that Fitzgerald has been a head coach for two decades. He's been interviewed or, or try to at least be interviewed by the nfl numerous times he certainly has an understanding of the game i don't think that the jets will get fitzgerald i think he wants to stay at northwestern until his kids are a little bit older but i think if the jets could give him a blank check and bring him in to build joe douglas's program he's the one guy on this list that i'd be absolutely confident all these other guys, I think they could do it, but if they brought Pat Fitzgerald then I'd be absolutely confident that Joe Douglas could live up to his, to the thing that he said to his opening press conference, that we want to be the best culture in all of sports. I think Pat Fitzgerald could come in and do that um, with relative ease. I think Salah, Eberfus, stable, they can all do it as well, but I think Fitzgerald a guy who has a proven track record of, of turning worst to first in terms of culture and in terms of on-field performance. I would be absolutely ecstatic if, if Pat Fitzgerald was the head coach. I think Sam did a terrific job on our podcast, breaking him down. Michael, we already know who number one is, so there's there's no need for a drum roll. Robert Sala, explain it. Why are you so hyped up on him? Obviously, I went back and forth. I almost put him at one. I'm glad we differed a little bit, but obviously he's a terrific candidate and would be a, a great fit for the Jets.
1: Yeah, like I said earlier about defensive guys. So I'll explain the one concern first, and that being that he is a defensive guy. I mentioned at the beginning of this when talking about Staley that you know it's a concern. It definitely is. I think better to have your offensive staff or the, the mind, the lead mind of your offense intact than the defense defense is a little more variable from year to year than the offense is. It's easier to maintain the offense. So again, that is a concern for me in terms of having a defensive head coach, but that's it for Sala with me, because other than that, there's so much to love and the podcast we did with Oscar might be the best sell for any of the coaches that we've broken down. He went into him and and he was not being biased either. The points he was bringing up or the points he was talking about were very legitimate. They all made a lot of sense and were extremely uh, sustainable points that make sense. Not just, you know, talking about him because you think he's good or want him to be good because he was rooting for the 49ers. They were great points that make a lot of sense. So to talk about the style, uh, the leadership is the first thing that comes to mind. He is extremely in- intense, but it also seems like based on what Oscar told, uh, told us, he knows went to dial down too, and that he does have great relationships with the players and that it's not just an act that you see on the field of him yelling and screaming and veins popping out of his head that it's all legitimate. He's intense and passionate, but also a great coach from a coach to player standpoint in terms of, you know, just being forming those relationships with players. So the coat, the raw coaching ability, I think he's probably the best of any of these candidates, but then you look at what he's done from a football standpoint, what he did, He took over Nyer's defense that allowed the most points in the league before he got there, built it up to one of the best defenses of the modern era in 2019, took that to the Super Bowl, then probably an even more impressive job this year because without most of those core pieces, no Bosa, no Sherman, they lost to Forrest Buckner, no Solomon Thomas, many other injuries as well, still a top-10 defense. So he did a great job this year. Uh, And then the way Oscar broke it down, just how he has built it from a schematic perspective, how he isn't a guy who has a core idea of how he plays defense. He adapted to what the Niners had. He came in and played different schemes than what he was expected to based on his background. And he continued to build it and mold it around the core that the Niners grew there. So I think that really shows you that he can carry that success elsewhere because he built that success off of, not necessarily just taking a core philosophy with him that he's mastered, but adapting to what his team had. So that really shows me he can take that success elsewhere. Then you have to talk about the offensive staff. You mentioned Mike LaFleur, Mike Daniels there as well, their passing game and run game coordinators. Both those guys are great young up-and-comers, and he's probably taking one of them with him to be his offensive coordinator. That's fantastic from a staff standpoint. Uh, for him to be able to have one of those guys. Uh, and so you can feel good about the offensive side with him as well. So Robert Sala, pure coaching ability, I think is the best. His defensive success is outstanding. And it also seems sustainable because of the way he did it, adapting to his players. Uh, and he's very attractive in terms of the staff he can bring with him. So I, I really like Robert Sala. He's, he's my number one for sure. I feel pretty good about leaving him there.
0: Yeah. Out of all these guys, who do you think would have the best opening press conference? Cause I tend to believe it'd be solid. I mean, as long as he doesn't, yeah.
1: I would probably, you know. I think the guys that come to mind are probably Sala and B enemy who would probably yeah. have the best. Oh, the, the best. I think the most boring ones would probably be Arthur Smith, Joe Brady. I don't, I don't really know. What Brandon I don't Sealy think Brady would be like. boring. I think Marvin I think Lewis be a would be the, bit. I think he would. Marvin Lewis would be the
0: most boring. I, I think Arthur would be up there as well, but no, Fitzgerald I think Gerald
1: could be pretty interesting.
0: I mean, the fact that Sala has admitted to blacking out on the sidelines for cheering so hard for his guys, I think his press conference would be pretty interesting. Michael, we've obviously talked ad nauseum about these candidates this week has been well worth it, but definitely exhausting. I feel like we, we know a lot about all these guys at the end of the day, who do you think the New York jets hire? Because it could be another whole week, but I tend to believe that it, it might be this week for the jets hire But if they're attached to a guy who's still in the playoffs and still alive, then it obviously could be longer. We could have another podcast next Monday talking about whatever. But right now, what day is it? What is it? it January 10th, 6.10 West Coast time. Who does Michael Nania think will be the next head coach of the New York Jets? Well, who does Ben Bussington think? Why don't you start off? What a spin zone, right? I asked you. I asked the questions here. I'm asking the questions now. This is a role reversal. I think it's going to be Matty Rufloos. I agree. I agree. Exactly I agree. That's exactly who I was going to say. I that think especially with co- that was such a cut. Co- no, no, no. Now you don't get to talk. Now I get to talk. All right, all right, guys- all right, talk, talk. Go ahead, go ahead. What the hell was that? You should have just answered. Then you would have had the first pick. But yeah, Ibraflus, I think, is who it's going to be. I think he kind of lines up on exactly what the Jets are looking for. First of all, he's out of the playoffs now too, so he can really get the job this week. He lines up exactly with what the Jets are looking for. I think he'd be. It makes sense for both sides. I think Ibraflus would want the job. I think as far as um, probability i think he's he's very high in the sense that uh, he's not a guy like dable who i think will go to la or B enemy who i think might go to atlanta i just think that he's kind of a guy who's pretty much only been linked to the jets he did turn down the texans job i know he's interviewed elsewhere but i just feel like iberflus is a guy his connections to the front office we didn't even talk about that not only does he have connections to rex hogan but his head coach is frank reich who is the offensive coordinator in philly when joe douglas is there so joe douglas can call frank reich and talk to him about iberflus or iberflus can talk to frank reich about joe douglas and do you think this guy is going to be a good match for me i just think it makes too many too much sense on too many levels that I think Eberflus will be the next head coach of the Jets. My literal only question mark is that offensive coordinator. It's a big one, but uh, you, you know, it sounds like it could be somebody from the, the Marinelli type of family, or he could go completely differently. I, you know, if I was a defensive head coach like Eberflus and I was trying to be be a CEO, I would go for just a young college offense coordinator like Tony Elliott. I think I think Martindale kind of has the right system. Just go bring somebody from college,
1: bring somebody who's electrifying, and just keep cycling them out until you find somebody who's good. Yeah, I agree. And I think also the, the Colts losing this week, I think, is definitely big. We saw the enemy sort of suffer in the process uh, last year with the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl. Uh, it definitely hurts it. Teams want to get their coaches, you know, not necessarily rush it, but the quicker you can get them. You know, the combine comes up quickly for agency after that and right into the draft. The process goes pretty fast. So teams do want to get their coaches in there. So to wait out for candidates who last long in the playoffs is really tough. And also other candidates will go off the board that you could potentially want. So Iberflus going off the board helps. And also Arthur Smith is now out of the field as well. Another candidate. Uh, that could be open. Also, Brian Schottenheimer. We won't talk about him. We didn't even put him in this Stop. ranking. I shouldn't even <laughs> have said that. I shouldn't even have said that. Honestly, I'm sorry. But Arthur Smith and Matt Eberflus are definitely now. Yeah, Brian Schottenheimer is 12 for me. Brian Schottenheimer is <laughs> below. I would rather
0: have Marvin Lewis than Brian. I'd Schottenheimer.
1: rather have Jim Caldwell.
0: <laughs> I, I, that's not even a joke. I'd rather have Jim Caldwell. I think the only guy that I would would want you rather
1: have Schottenheimer or Doug Peterson?
0: Doug Peterson. I think I agree, honestly. <laughs> yeah, well, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, health. I mean, he's the most – if the Jets hired Doug Peterson, I, I, that would be the most Jets thing ever, and I can't discount it. If, he, if he's not the head coach of Philadelphia in the next few days, I would be very worried. I will be very worried. It would be so Jets to hire for two cycles in a row to hire the guy whose entire team hates him when he's leaving. I just do not want anything to do with Doug Peterson. But I think I could probably talk myself into him if, you know, Give me enough drinks in about two months. I think I could probably be all aboard the Doug Peterson train, but certainly there's 10 great candidates. Or I guess we gave 11. I'll say this. There's about nine great candidates.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think there's nine and, great candidates. I think and the, well, Joe, Joe Brady honestly is kind of debatable for me. I'm not a big Joe Brady guy. Okay. But, eight
0: great candidates that the jets could hire. I think well, I'd Brandon be happy
1: Saley. I don't, I don't, okay. Well, seven great. Arthur has some questions. Okay.
0: Six great <laughs> candidates that the jets could hire and I'd well, be happy. The enemy.
1: I don't know if he really, okay, ran. Right, one great the candidate. gag is over.
0: The gag is over. It's we made okay. the joke. Let's go with
1: nine. Let's go with nine,
0: nine great. Okay. Nine great candidates that the Jets could hire. And I think I'd be happy with guys like Doug Peterson or Marvin Lewis just would be, ugh, would be deflating for me
1: and um, Aaron Glenn. Sorry, Aaron,
0: Aaron. No, I stand by the fact that I agree that on the surface, Aaron Glenn is, would be a questionable hire, but if he was the hire, I could really talk myself into, well, what did Joe Douglas and, and Chris Johnson see in him? I mean, if he was the hire, if they're going to take that big of a gamble,
1: on I would a guy have like to give Glenn, them credit for going that far. Yeah, it would be radar.
0: so out of the box. That'd it be like, well, there has to be something here where they're like, this guy must be the most charismatic son of a bitch you've ever met. And they must think he can really build a great staff and run a great program. So I, I wouldn't be as down on Aaron Glenn. Like as a candidate, if I had to choose one of these, without doing any interviews which wouldn't make any sense at all and this is a stupid hypothetical no i would not take aaron Glenn. but if he's the hire i damn well could talk myself into him marvin lewis doug peterson that would take some some time to get used to um but let us know what you think tweet us at cyj pod who is your number one head coaching candidate maybe you give your top five uh who do you think the jets should hire is there anybody you would not be happy with with the jets hire obviously michael and i have laid out some of our guys. So tweet us at CYJPod on Twitter. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington, Michael at Michael underscore Nanny. You can find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Jets X Factor. There you have it, folks. Who will be the next head coach of the New York Jets?
1: going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. down most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims!